0: Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. You're going to see a prophecy of a beautiful coming, return to Jerusalem, that the period of exile would come to an end, that they would be brought home. And there are some beautiful parallels as well to the the, the, the homecoming of the people of God uh, in, in the end times. Here's Isaiah chapter 43. Now, this is what the Lord says, the one who created you, Jacob. Okay, it's not just a dude named Jacob. Remember, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. It's interchangeable with the nation of Israel. Again, this is another reason why when people neglect this this important interpretive tactic, they, they come to uh, to very different conclusions than what was intended by Romans chapter 9. And the one who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. It's beautiful. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And the rivers will not overwhelm you. This, is, this sort of evokes the, the same imagery as Psalm 69. It's the story about just uh, Lord save me because the waters rise above my neck. My throat is parched, crying out for my God. Uh, the Psalms describe prophetically also Christ on the cross. But this is, this is an image of, of, uh, that's brought, uh, drawn upon frequently in the Psalm to describe being just utterly overwhelmed. Uh, I think it's Psalm 42 and 43. They're kind of the same song about depression. Your billows and breakers have swept over me. Um, uh, when you pass through the waters, God said, I will be with you. It also kind of harkens back to israel's past when they passed through the the waters of the red sea god was with them when the subsequent generation of the leadership of joshua and caleb passed through the miraculously upward flowing waters of the jordan river on dry ground god was with them and the rivers will not overwhelm you see it kind of evokes joshua chapters 3 and 4 like god has never let water overwhelm his people he even made the rainbow as a sign of his covenant uh, because of its effect on the atmosphere now light is uh, cast across the horizon onto a canvas of water vapor revealing the colors of red and orange and yellow and green and blue and indigo and violet and this is a sign of god's promise never to flood the earth again i mean god god has a god has has made a specific point of showing his people that you'll not be overwhelmed by water i'm sorry al gore your inconvenient truth prophecy about florida that won an oscar didn't come true god is very particular about this does not preclude tsunamis and disasters like these we do see in the book of job wherein the devil is given a degree of freedom whereby he may use climatological phenomena to create catastrophe and tragedy but what God says to his people of Israel is that when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, when the riv- uh, and the rivers will not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you will not be scorched. The flame will not burn you. Uh, what's important to note here is that God doesn't extinguish the flame. All right, this, this, is, this is important. Do you see the words, when you walk through the fire? Okay, what does the word when suggest? You're going to walk through fire. Don't be shocked when you walk through fire. Peter would write to the persecuted church throughout Rome in AD 64 and tell them, like, like don't don't act confused by this fiery ordeal that has come upon you as if something strange were happening to you. All right? it, it may be that he was referring to their understanding uh, of, of Isaiah 43. When you walk through the fire, means you're going to walk through the fire You will not be scorched, and the flame will not burn you. Okay, Christian? Do not be under the delusion that walking with God means you're never going to walk through fire. Do not be under the delusion. Do not be so immature as a believer that you think that giving your life to Christ exempts you from suffering and heartache and difficulty. It means that you're going to go through the fire, but He's going to be with you as He was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, those were not their real names. We're gonna talk about that in just a moment. This tendency of uh this tendency of ancient kings to give uh pagan names to uh godly people. For I am the Lord your God, the holy one of Israel and your savior. I have given Egypt as a ransom for uh for you, Cush and Seba in your place. All right? Cush was uh was south of south of Judah, and uh, geographically kind of the equivalent to Ethiopia, right? Uh, Cush and Seba, I'm not exactly sure where Seba is. I see conflicting reports on this. Because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. I will give people in exchange for you and nations instead of your life. In Romans chapter 9, we see Esau, I love, uh, Jacob, I loved, Esau, I hated. Uh, again, it's another instance in which Jacob is interchangeable with Israel and his older twin brother Esau's name was interchangeable with the nation for whom he was the progenitor, the nation of Edom. The whole book of Obadiah explains exactly why God despised the nation of Edom. And that's what I think is being evoked here, that God would, as is his prerogative, choose to make nations like Edom as demonstrations of his wrath. Right? And who are you and I? Or who are you, Pharaoh, specifically, I think, in what uh, uh, Paul was alluding to in Romans 9, to talk back to God. This is God's right. This is God's prerogative. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who bears my name and is created for my glory, I have formed them, indeed, I have made them." Beautiful, exquisite, exquisite promise. It's absolutely an incredible text. And it has to do with coming back from the exile in the near term, but it also, it also has some bearing on, on uh, even, even in times prophecy. And when I say in times, I mean the time period between uh, the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of, of Jesus. Uh, this coming Sunday is a remarkable date. This Sunday, at my time of recording, it's 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 ahead of us, of course. Uh, I'm recording on Cinco de Mayo, actually, and then this this coming Sunday, uh, for those of you with the Redemption Church who follow along um, uh, with us and and in real time at the Redemption Church. Apologies to those of you who are using this as a resource after the fact, uh, but at our time of recording we're going to be looking at another prophecy about the Lord's blessings for the descendants of his people on the 75th anniversary of the very day on which Israel became a nation again, May 14th, 1948. That's pretty crazy, too, because even just this past Sunday, we were studying a text that had to do with God and his relationship and his sovereignty over kings, which was coinciding perfectly with the first coronation uh, in Great Britain uh since 1953 it's pretty crazy how like multiple weeks in a row it's pretty obvious like the the significance of the 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 coinciding of these dates of these texts with with these real live world events it's 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 pretty amazing so uh, in the end times application of this of this text you can see how it speaks to uh, the resurrection of Israel as a nation on May 14th, 1948, something that we're gonna see this this coming weekend. But in the more near term for the original uh, the original recipients, there there was something else that was that was afoot. All right. You would have this guy who in um is called Sheshbazar. And Sheshbazar, we're not exactly sure who he is, he's referred to as a prince of Judah. It's possible that this is another name for Zerubbabel. In fact, both Sheshbazar and Zerubbabel are given credit for restoring the foundations in Jerusalem. And both of them are referred to as a prince of Judah. So they could be the same guy. The name Sheshbazar really means like that uh the the sun god would favor him. Uh, that it's a it's a pagan name given to a man who evidently was actually a descendant from the kingdom of Judah. He's actually he was actually uh an Israelite. We see him mentioned just four times in Ezra, and uh then we know that. Following the following the ministry of Sheshbazar, who may have also been Zerubbabel, we're not entirely sure. Uh, then comes Ezra, and then Nehemiah. And if you want more on this, at JCM we have a, a resource on this. We did a whole study on this. Uh, it's called the Revival Project, and it's a verse by verse study of the book of Nehemiah. So this homecoming that's promised in this text. I will say to the north give them up bring, meaning bring my kids home to the south don't hold them back bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the ends of the earth bring the israelites back to israel it would begin with shesh bazar zerubbabel ezra nehemiah and as all of these post-exilic you know uh just homecomings would stack up you began to rebuild israel but that was not the final word what we're gonna what we're gonna see in this weekend sermon is how that would not be the final exile. I mean, Israel would, you know, seemingly get taken over by, by Babylon, um, you know, uh, by, by the Assyrians, by uh, eventually Rome. And then finally in AD 70, they would just get wiped off the map. You know, some, some Jewish people would remain in the area. That's important. But then for like 2000 years they had no nation they they had no border no currency no government and then miraculously even post genocidal attempt to eradicate them after the nazis killed 6 million jews they become a nation in a day and now I'm giving a little bit of a sneak peek as to as to what is to come to play in the final chapter of Isaiah, Isaiah 66, eight, if you want to sneak ahead, Uh, God will do exactly this again. So in the near term, uh, for the original recipients, uh, he says, I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west, he's going to bring people back to Jerusalem. All right? Shesh, Zerubbabel, Ezra, Nehemiah. But then even in the far term, in more end times, as in like the current redemptive era, uh, God would do it again. He would bring Israelites back to Israel, even post 2,000 years of exile and imminent attempted genocide. Uh, so this this has a dual meaning to it. Uh, in the immediacy, uh, it means that post-Assyrian Babylonian exile, you're going to be brought back home again. And then even in a, in a, in a scope beyond the lifetime uh, beyond the lifetimes of Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, wow. In the 1940s. Okay. Like 1948 was not really that long ago. Okay. If you think about the whole earth's history, like 12 hours on a clock face, you'd have to rewind like a second. And that's 1948. All right. Like not even a second. It, It was, it was an instant ago, especially from the perspective of a God who exists in eternity right he he loves his children this passage is not exclusively about god's heart toward these post exilic generations of israelites it's not even about uh the generation of jewish people who who survived the holocaust and refounded the nation of Israel. This is how God felt specifically about his Old Testament people. So to interpret it properly, we must interpret it through that lens. But what this passage does is teaches New Testament believers about the character of God and how God feels about his people. We cannot, I I don't believe that we can precisely just plug the New Testament church in every time you see Israel or Judah In the Old Testament, it's not, I don't think that that's uh, giving proper regard to the original intent of of the text. So you acknowledge the original audience was Judah, right? But it's the same God, different covenant, the same God with the exact same character, the exact same heart. And this is what makes, this is what makes an understanding of the book of Romans so incredibly important. Now, because of Jesus, Gentiles call upon the name of the Lord. And can be saved. Not everyone who's descended from Israel is Israel. Rather, we are cove- We we have inherited the 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 promise covenant through uh, Isaac, right? That God would miraculously give Abraham a son, Isaac, and then and this is how the offspring would be reckoned. So, not everybody who's descended from Israel is Israel. Now we are we are heirs and heiresses to the very promise. So, you can't look at a text like this in which God is is speaking about his Old Testament people and, and precisely say that it's about the New Testament church, but you can say that it is the precisely the same God with precisely the same heart, right? You can say that you are precious in God's sight, that you are honored, that God loves you, right? Absolutely, that's true. Uh, but when you get to the second half of verse four, I will give people in exchange for you and nations instead of your life this must be understood rightly through nations like edom and then enemy nations as well of israel who no longer exist do not fear for i am with you absolutely man do not fear jesus would even tell us not to let our hearts be troubled he is indeed with us and he said that he would be with us always even to the very end of the age okay so we can look at these and say yes these are also true for new testament believers i will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west Okay, this is about ancient Judah. This is about ancient Israel. But we as New Testament believers can look back and say, like, God said that he would do it, and he did it twice, three times, arguably. And then he goes on to describe more about how he feels about his sons and his daughters. Give them up to me. Don't hold them back from me. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Again, the original intent has to do with gathering post-exilic Jews back to Jerusalem. But look at what God does for his children. Think about Jesus and his teaching about the one sheep that goes astray, right? Everyone who bears my name, that's us in the New Testament. In fact, please don't get mad at me, Jewish friends. That is everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord more than it is Jewish people who deny Jesus as the Son of God. As created for my glory, yeah, that's you and I, I have formed them, indeed, I have made them. It's a beautiful passage. It's further evidence of the sovereignty of God. I can't wait to show you more this weekend about this and on this subject as we also observe the 75th anniversary of the restoration of Israel.